and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Mark Armstrong. So, time to talk big bands and big jazz. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to episode 5 of series 9, Would You Believe, of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. And here we are in February. Boom! A month for lovers. And talking of love, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure to subscribe. And also check out the show notes for useful extra info and all the links. Oh, and buy me a coffee, for which I will be eternally grateful. I should also say that the next episode of the podcast won't publish now until the beginning of March. I need to take a brief hiatus to focus on all the festival administration that needs sorting ahead of May. And talking of festivals, all the tickets to our wonderful multi-venue, multi-show, live jazz festival in Watford in May are now on sale. With Sri Ram and Dennis Rollins, with the Nationalist Jazz Orchestra, with Tim Garland, with Jazz FM, Jazz Act of the Year 2021, or nominees certainly, Archipelago, Jelly Cleaver, Tomorrow's Warriors, Joe Harrop, John Etheridge, Pete Churchill, Nicky Isles, oh, so many great acts. So get amongst it and buy your tickets at whatfordjazzjunction.com where you shall also find a handful of tickets still available for our special Tony Kofi show doing a, a tribute to Cannibal Adderley this Saturday the 12th of February. Now to business. Today I am joined by a musician who first and foremost is a trumpet player but is also artistic director of the National Youth Jazz Orchestra, is jazz professor at the Royal College of Music, and he also finds time to compose and arrange for orchestras, big bands and choirs. It can only be Mark Armstrong. Mark, hello, how are you? I'm very good, Chris. Great to see you and hear you. I know, it's very exciting. What, what, what listeners don't know is that we had a little bit of teething problem, as is the nature of all things Zoom and whatnot these days. Um, but we got there. So where do I find you in the world? I can see you're buried away somewhere. I'm in my shed at the back of the garden, which is supposed to be the place where I do all my work, but it's just become increasingly encrusted with big band music and instruments and things that I've kind of had to decamp from time to time to the kitchen. But um, one of my little projects is going to be organising all of this at some point. But at the moment, it's not happening. But it's still a nice little cosy place to come and have a chat with you, Chris. Yeah, well, very exciting. I'm very glad you have. But don't organise it. For those who obviously can't see, which is everyone apart from me, it's wicked. I can see all the CDs. I can see a double bass hanging around in the background, all the portfolios of music, etc. It's a proper musical cave. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Mark, what I normally ask people... It's just for a bit of illumination, if you will, on your backstory. Were, mm-hmm. were you born to play the trumpet and conduct and such? What was the what was the story from Little Mark to now? Okay, well, no, not really. I mean, uh, Little Mark started playing the the tenor horn in school at um Ooh. oh yeah at, at my at Woodside County Middle School in 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 uh, Buckinghamshire in Amersham, leafy Amersham. Very good. Um, and uh, they had a lovely cupboard full of smelly old brass instruments, and at that time of course, which was brilliant, you could get them for free and have free lessons at school. So that's what I did on the tenor horn. But then um, my dad hired me a Czechoslovakian trumpet from a shop in Watford, in fact, um, a music shop in Watford. Strong. Yeah, absolutely. And I still remember the smell of that trumpet. It was amazing. And that, and so that's how I got started. I had an incredible trumpet teacher called Graham Hollingdale, who was the local brass teacher. And yeah, I started there on the uh, on the trumpet. Before then, I'd already been having a, a bit of piano lessons. I guess the musical connection is my dad plays the piano, um, and right. uh, we had a piano at home. And I recently discovered that my mum's auntie played played 
silent movie piano in uh, the northeast of England, where my family are from, which was a complete revelation. So she used to basically improvise to to movies, which I think is so brilliant. And maybe maybe it is in the genes, although my parents aren't aren't musical at all. Well, they are they're, they're amateur musicians, but they're not professional musicians at all. But they love to sing, and they're kind of stalwarts of the local choral scene. Amazeballs. The um, I mean, I I sort of want to explore the Czech trumpet shop, um, <laughs> but actually, what I'm going to actually just mention is, I just think it's so extraordinary the the legacy of music that you have in the UK on an amateur uh, basis, which I guess is repeated in every country in the world. But when I think about you know the sort of the number of parish churches where they were, where I grew up in sunny Suffolk, I think it was 650 and. Throughout my time in the 70s and 80s, someone was there to play the organ every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And likewise, you go back in time, people bringing to life with music, film. Yeah. Um, and that had to be repeated in every musical and every cinema up and down the country. And it seems to me that we might have lost it, but it's very easy to take for granted what, what that musical legacy is and what it means mm. for people like you, who have then sort of evolved and developed from that. And obviously the world professionalises and we all get better. But uh, I think that's extraordinary that to find that little musical link back to your to yep. your great aunt or your aunt. It's Love lovely. It. Um, yeah. So you obviously got quite good uh, at trumpet, um, and then went forth to university um, and mm-hmm. music college. I I don't know which 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 one. Or okay. Did you not? So what did I do? I went to Oxford and did a and did a music degree. Um, I kind of wanted to go to music college as an undergraduate, but. My mate who did that, I went, uh, he, he, he encountered quite a lot of resistance of the sort of, right. what are you doing going to do that? You should become a lawyer kind, you know. Uh, I know. It's kind of you actually want to get because, paid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I kind of understand it now, of course. But, um, back then, you know, obviously <laughs> my heart was set, kind of set on at least, at least studying music further. And the irony was my school, I went, I was really lucky in Bucks. There's another thing that was really high quality and free. All the music, all the education. I went to a grammar school um, and uh, had an incredible education with an amazing music department with a really inspirational um, head of music. Um, so, you know, all those things were great. But, you know, from a career perspective, there was a general feeling at that time. And I think it was a cultural thing. You know, oh, no, you don't want to become a musician. So I ended up, I suppose the deal I did with the school was, well, look, OK, can I go to Oxford and study music? Oh, Oxford. Oh, 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 yes, Oxford. Oh, yes, you can do that because you went to Oxford. <laughs> Big tick in the box. It was, so it was like, yeah, OK, well, I'm going to go and do that. But I am going to do music. So I went off and did that. And um, it was really interesting. I had a great time. I didn't. And I met some incredible musicians at the time because I was full of sort of, you know, vim and sort of uh, hormones. It's like, what am I doing doing this bloody medieval music course? Why am they making me listen to all this old fuddy-duddy music? And then I remember this particular day when I kind of unwillingly went into the library to listen to some music on vinyl records because that's the way it was back Ooh, then. They had a massive proper. Live, proper old vinyl. So I sat down and, you know, oh, bloody hell, I've got to listen to this bloody medieval music. And I put on this record, which absolutely took my breath away, which was a group called The Gothic Voices, doing an uh, doing um Peritant and Leonin, which is really early medieval French music, uh recorded uh for uh the cathedral for Notre Dame in Paris. And that blew me away. I just thought it was incredible. And then I thought, oh my God, this is this is amazing. I'm so pleased I listened to this music, which I wouldn't have done had I just go to music college to to play the trumpet. But then I noticed that it was recorded on the ECM label. So I thought, oh my God, this sounds amazing. What else is on ECM? And then in a roundabout way through that and through friends, I discovered the jazz on ECM and listened, started to listen to Kenny Wheeler 
And that made me think that was a mind-blowing moment. And so my overall experience of music at that time was a combination of, oh my God, this is incredible. I'm so pleased I'm listening to this. Almost immediately followed with, but I could have been listening to it for 10 years before. You know, so it was that feeling of um, of discovery and then thinking, you know, oh, that, well, where's this been in my life? You know, so for me, it was things like listening to that, listening to listening to Earth, Wind and Fire and Cool and the Gang and playing in a little funk band that we had called The Mission Impossible, <laughs> um, which Strong. changed its name. It, well, it changed its name from the possibly less acceptable Space Cake Bakery after a while. Um, but we, we played loads of covers of, you know, funk tunes and all the rest of it. And I started playing with friends and met some lifelong friends that I still work with. And then it, after that, went to the Guildhall and did a postgrad at the Guildhall where all the little holes in my jazz knowledge, or at least well, some of them anyway, were filled up. Previously, I was kind of searching for stuff, not quite sure what it was I was listening to. Then I went to the Guildhall, had some incredible teaching. People like Scott Stroman and Pete Churchill really gave me such a great sort of foundation to develop um, from. And it's still something I'm working on even today. I mean, you never stop learning to be a jazz musician, no matter how old you are. Of course. And I I think, God, I mean, there are just so many things that you've just said, Mark, which are interesting. Um, I was thinking very much about the Oxford Music Programme. And it's, you know, it is rooted there in the Renaissance, the Baroque and, 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 and the evolution of stuff and the history of music. But um, I know Zoe Rahman, who we've had on uh, the podcast previously, was at Oxford. Um, and I didn't really explore with her the connection there between the Renaissance into Bach and the understanding of what improvisation could be and why that might attract jazz ears. But mm. I'm not going to dwell on that. What I'm going to dwell on mm. is, uh, is band names. Oh, you've just reminded me of Rocky J. Hunter's Blue Note All-Stars from my time in Bristol. <laughs> Hurrah! Um, and therefore, listeners, we would love to know any of your uh, previous jazz band or, or combo names. I'll shout them out just because I think they're tremendously amusing. Um, and they're right forward, as you say, to uh, the Guildhall and Pete Churchill. Um now Pete has just added himself, or we have added, very excitingly, Pete to the lineup for the for the Jazz Junction in May, and he's going to be joined by his very talented daughter Immy, and they're going to be doing some Louis Armstrong and uh, Ella Fitzgerald stuff, which would be terrific. Um, the nature of jazz pedagogy, or, or whatever you want to call, you have become the taught to the teacher. When you mm. talk about you never stop learning, do you find yourself learning from pupils as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, particularly when people bring me things that inspire them, you know, and they say, oh, come have a listen to this. That's great. And I mean, recently I had a I had a, um encounter with, um, there's a young guy who's a, an incredible trombone player called James Wade Sirid, who's in Nigel. And um, I happened to be on tour with Clark Tracy and James was in the band. So I was a kind of elderly sort of frontline guy it was me and Clark well well it was me and Clark um uh as the kind of couple of the older guys and then some younger guys so it was a really nice mix but James I'll give him a lot of lifts because you know that's what you do to the you know you you when you've got a car and and young guys don't and so I was giving him a lift home and he was playing me loads of really brilliant music which I kind of knew uh but it was stuff that I wasn't as familiar with with as as, as he was by any means and it was Woody Shaw and uh, Joe Henderson, and it made suddenly suddenly made me realise that my baseline for where I suppose I kind of originally drew my influences was the bebop period, and because James is thirty years younger than me, his baseline is thirty years later. So his baseline was that kind of musical language, the sort of more developed Joe Henderson, Woody Shaw kind of 
uh, fourthy modal, more slightly more well, in many ways, just as edgy as bebop, but with a different kind of dialect to it. And uh, it was so fascinating to make that just to, to make to, for me to think, yeah, that's where you that's where you're you're expanding from. And you know, when I was younger, I kind of expanded, I suppose, kind of more modern and also you know further back towards Louis Armstrong and 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 and, th- and through that period. Whereas I'm guessing for him, he started there. And is doing the same thing. He's moving forward and moving backward from that point. So it's really interesting to see how different generations have their own approach to the music. And it's, it's constantly inspiring to be surrounded by all these, you know, really passionate and gifted young people in the music. Uh, it's fantastic. And that, yeah, that sense of dialogue and, <clears throat> and inter, interchange is, is amazing. Um, and you've made me think about cars now as well and the, and the <laughs> relationship between the jazz troubadour and the vehicle. I mean, without yeah. the radio or the stereo in the car, I wonder how many musical learnings we'll have all missed out or upon because it's the, it's the trip from A to B when you get to not just chat, but really listen. That often gives you the space you <clears throat> otherwise might not all, all, always be able to find day to day. Mm. Very interesting. I might do a car special, um, <laughs> which I'll have to get James James Morrison back on for. He he loves a car. Uh, so now you've also made me think about Nigel. Obviously, talking about the fabulous trombonist. Um, what, what are Nigel up to right now? You, you've moved to Woolwich, is that right? Yes, uh, we're really really lucky to be in a brand new arts complex um, on the river in Woolwich. It's called Woolwich Works. Um, and uh, Ooh, swanky. It's really swanky. It's beautiful. Um, and they've got a really exciting mixture of different arts um, going on. It's not just music. They've had art, um, uh, visual art and plastic art exhibitions. They have them on either in the main space or sometimes just dotted around in the cafes and all the other different areas. They have um, different resident artistic companies. So Nigel are there, Chinake, uh, the classical orchestra are there. Um, protein, protein dance and punch drunk theatre company are also there. So it's, it's, there's got all these different, um, influences. Um, we were obviously the whole plan to get in, to, to, to move there was a bit scuppered by COVID, but we were really lucky to be able to get in before they officially opened last April. And we, we started to rehearse again, despite, you know, having to step around all the COVID regulations and make sure everyone was safe. Um, and then we've been there ever since. And so, you know, we've, we've played, um, we've rehearsed regularly on Saturdays with our under 18 groups and also with the jazz orchestra and with our other group, the Jazz Exchange has been rehearsing there a bit too. Uh, we've done some performances there. We did, um, we did the opening ceremony, which was great. We played with Misha Paris. Um, and then we did a, a brilliant, um, uh, we had a great opportunity to work uh, with James Heaton, the artistic director, on a programme of uh, Gil Scott Heron music, which was really, really fun, with Tommy Blaze singing um, and Reginald D. Hunter doing the poetry. Um, so that oh was a God. brilliant thing to do. This is proper art mashup. I'm loving oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. And then um, what else have we got coming up? We've got uh, at Woolwich, um, we've got a gig on the 19th of March where we're doing our Amy Winehouse programme. Um, directed by Winston Rollins, and then very excitingly in the summer we're going to. Um, well, we I'm I'm not sure I can announce who it is yet, but we it looks like we're going to be doing a gig with a very special guest, American legendary artist, as part of a festival that's going to be happening there in the summer. So watch this space for that. So it's a real partnership. Amazing. Mm. So I'll be the first to announce here on the Watford Jazz Junction that Nigel will be playing with Madonna this summer. <laughs> Look out for it, kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Um, and uh, for those that, that, that don't know, Amy uh, Winehouse 
sort of started her semi-professional career, I guess, as with with Nigel, right, back in the day. Mm-hmm. I know we had Miles Ashton on here, the very first podcast, uh, and he was talking about, you know, having had that sort of early privilege to hear someone who was clearly on a on their own musical journey. But mm. the impact of, of the jazz on her voice and finding ways to train it and, and develop. the um, Is she presumably quite an inspirational figure to lots of the guys in the band today still? Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's been really brilliant watching... Um, the that project come together because it was arranged by Olivia Murphy, our composer, our official Niger composer, and uh, is featuring an incredible young vocalist called Lucianne Daniels. So, um, what it's it's great to see that there's that sense of ownership and autonomy uh, coming from the people who actually um, are the musicians in the orchestra, rather than it just being about me or some or me arranging things or or um you know as buying stock arrangements all that stuff is really important it's important to celebrate and maintain the legacy of the music that's just as important um to create a foundation as it is to innovate i believe in jazz but it's about getting the right balance between these different aspects and olivia's done an incredible job um balancing out arrangements which are you know just fun you know let's just have a let's just enjoy the, the song as it stands to some more creative versions of her vision for the music, like for example, she's she's done a an amazing re reimagination of of the song Rehab, you know, through a, through a big band ah, medium. Nice. So it's a really exciting show. We're still doing it. We're, we're going to be touring it for uh, the next few months. So watch watch out. Go to our website and have a look um, for some dates um, because there's Super. a few more coming up. Well, once you've got good at it, we'll have to have you back for 2023, <laughs> Mark. To uh, absolutely to, to, to play it again. So, also, I just want to ask about Nigel because I'm sure one or two people have have, have have engaged with Nigel over the years. It's been going for for many, many years now, more than 50, right? Um, mm. Is is everyone sort of still welcome to rock up and play? Are there additions? Who makes the band on the night? I mean, there used to be all sort of myths and and things about it. What, what's mm. the sort of vibe now? If you're a young musician and thinking, oh, National Youth Jazz Orchestra, I should do that. Well. Uh... The first thing to do is to get in touch. And um, if you've got any material of you playing, like, you know, a video of, of yourself playing or um, maybe you've recorded something specially or if you've got some if it's some footage of you playing at a gig, you know, we're really happy to have a look at that and, and see. And then um, if we feel like you're the right kind of age and level of experience for something that we offer, we'll try and direct you to one of our projects. And it may be if you're under 18 that we'll see if you might be interested in getting involved in our Saturday Academy rehearsals. Um, if you're over 18, um, then we might ask you to come down and sit in at one of our rehearsals with the jazz orchestra. And then you know, we can take it from there and see see whether you might you may end up, you know, um, on some of the gigs in the future as, a, as, as part of our pool of musicians. Um, we, we're, mo- we, we're kind of moving towards a, I suppose, a slightly less formal but more practical and i guess real selection process which is along those lines inviting people down to play and sit in and meet people rather than having formal auditions which i know can can be off-putting for some people and also you don't always they don't always reflect the reality of what people can play in a you know when you've got a 10 minute slot just to sort of do two or three choruses on a on a, on a jazz standard and and ask some, and answer some questions it's much i think it's much better to see how people do when they're in a room with other people and sitting down and playing the actual music because after all you know for the jazz orchestra we're talking about ensemble music so there's a different skill set there i mean that said mm. as we one of the things that we are doing strategically with the music is we're not focusing uh, uh, uh only on um on large ensemble music anymore what we want to do is to help people who've got their own project 
that maybe they've composed themselves could is is more most likely to be a small group project. We want to help mm-hmm. them to establish their voices and 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 make that kind of music making just as important to our output as the large ensemble. Because you know, after all, you know, jazz it's it's very multifaceted, and um, a lot of the music that people listen to isn't in large group format you know that's and it's not for everyone not every young person who plays the music wants to get involved in that and we want to be open to those to all of those things too so it's as much for people who want to play in a big ensemble and enjoy that as it is for people who want to develop their own voice and have their own project and you know we can help to promote that as we go forward too amazing so it's it's much more of a as a, as a jazz education outfit as it is around a final big band performance even though the Watford Jazz Junction listeners are only interested in the big band performance. <laughs> I mean, other types of jazz ensemble are available, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we've just started doing a series called Nigel Presents. And um, well, Ooh, when I say on. just started, we've been doing it since um, since we could do um, uh, live streams um, from Ronnie Scott. We were really lucky to be working with Ronnie's um, and uh, put on a series of live streams before the club opened to the public. So we had a number of our artists... Um, in Nigel playing. So Emma Ravitz, for example, um, Asha Parkinson, Rebecca Aloro, Karen Shirashi are all people who fronted their own groups as part of that series. And then later on, we kind of expanded it to include, if you like, um, the elder sort of statesman or states, the elder states person level of jazz musician. So we had a series where, for example, Nicky Isles uh, celebrated the music of Kenny Wheeler with a small group, and Jean Toussaint did Art Blakey, and uh, we had um, we, we had Tony as well, Tony Kofi doing a, a Monk project. So that that idea of having groups that are led by young people doing their own music, and then groups that are led by more experienced musicians who are you know. To, to, you know showing showing their own influence as well as maybe their own music too you know there's a kind of multifaceted thing again that we're doing with that with that program oh i think it's absolutely fantastic and i hear about that that mix of of experience and you know different backgrounds and stuff it's it's absolutely awesome it's definitely the right thing for jazz i love it um and then thinking as well about the different ensembles but only thinking about mark of the armstrong do you choose big bands? Do you choose small bands? Do you love it all? I mean, you play, right, as a, as a, as oh, a standalone yeah. trumpeter in your own right. Mm. What, what do you seek and choose from the, the, the gigs that you take on board these days? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, I don't. Uh, I suppose I'm lucky that I get rung up and asked to do stuff that's really fun, you know, and I suppose that's a massive privilege. And so because I'm the age I'm at, you know, in the context, and, and uh, I've got friends who I've worked with for a long time. So, you know, I, uh, I don't have time to, at the moment, run my own projects. So I generally, you know, work for other people as a sideman, and which I really, really love. I mean, I don't, mm. I love playing in big bands. I mean, I'm lucky enough to be a member of the Ronnie Scott's Jazz Orchestra. And so we play quite regularly at Ronnie's and that's, that's really, really great fun. I love, you know, I still love the kind of visceral sort of power of playing in a, in a, in a big band. And it's a real challenge on the trumpet sort of physically and also to put yourself immediately in the space to play a great solo when you've not had any kind of warm up time. And, you know, uh, you're kind of you're a long way from the away from the rhythm section and all these things are a, a challenge, you know, that it's, it's good to, mm. to it's good to, to 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 have and to play that variety of music and to be in that sound world is brilliant. But I mean, I, I as I said before, um I did a tour with Clark Tracy through the autumn and it was so lovely to go back to playing regularly in a small group and getting to know a, a particular set of repertoire, getting to getting to the stage where you have that sense of 
almost um you know supernatural interaction with other people in the band and kind of predict knowing knowing the way things were going to be but also reacting the moment to what you're hearing around you and really getting inside a repertoire of music and knowing it inside out and playing it with a little group of people and taking it around the country you know going to Coventry and all the way up to Wakefield and you know all over the place so that's been really really great and I mean that's been an important part of my my my, my background I mean I played I played with Clark uh years and years ago when I was younger as the sort of young person in his band you know and then I was really lucky <laughs> that following on from that I ended up playing with Stan Tracy and I recorded on Stan's last album um last quintet album which was about which I think was in 2016 so I've always had that 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 sort of layer of of doing small group stuff and also big band stuff alongside it and and also I've done a reasonable amount of commercial music. I used to do loads and loads of West End shows as a, what we called a deputy. So I'd be the guy who was rung up often at the last minute in a bit of a panic to come and step in. And that's really, really fun to do. Uh, recording sessions, uh, a good. So it's that, that mixture of, I think, I think for a lot of musicians, the reality is that you don't just do one thing. You know, you're, you're expected to, to, to turn your hand to quite a lot of different disciplines, but they all, for me, focus around what it means to be a jazz musician, the idea of having a sense of flexibility in your approach to the music, keeping your ears open, having a good sense of groove, being able to adapt the way you play to suit different musical circumstances. I mean, for the, for me, those are core jazz skills and they're so applicable to so many other dis- disciplines in, in commercial music in this country. And I was really taken with what you were saying there about playing regularly again with a small ensemble. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people say, oh, it's good to get the chops back in or it's good to get the ears back in. But actually what you're saying, it's good to get the vibe back on where you're feeling it and, and working again and really getting above, above you know, about the, the Kirk and body of a piece of music. So um, before the, the mighty Mark Armstrong quiz, which cometh your way, I can't not mm-hmm. mention um, our gala concert that's coming up on the 19th of May here at the oh, yeah. Palace Theatre in what will be the Watford Jazz Junction's opening night show. So we are headlining with Sri Sharan and Dennis Rollins. Uh, with a little Ilario Ferrari, a very talented uh, Italian-born uh, Watford resident pianist thrown into the mix, and then concluding with a whole set from the from the Mast National Youth Jazz Orchestra. What are, what are you going to play? What can we expect? So we're, we're touring a show at the moment called Basie and Beyond. Well, I say at the moment, uh, the inaugural gig is actually in Oxford um, on the Saturday after we've just recorded this podcast. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Oh, nice, um, well, I'm nice, really nice. looking forward to that, I should say. And it's, it's exciting. Um, and so that the idea with that is to do a set of uh, of, con- of reasonably contemporary, by which I mean sort of from the 50s onward, uh, big band music, but authentic American big band music, mostly written and arranged by um, bl- uh, black American, American artists as well. So, you know, looking at, you know, pieces by Count Basie, arranged by Quincy Jones, and moving on from there, you know, with a bit of Dizzy Gillespie thrown in, uh, possibly some Oliver Nelson, obviously some Duke Ellington, and and looking at that real core tradition of what makes a big band sound like a big band, or mostly swing, maybe a bit of Latin thrown in too, but mostly look, looking at that 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 great swinging style where the the music that you could still dance to. You end up sitting and having yeah, an expensive yeah. cocktail too, but you're still dancing inside. You know that's what this is all about. So it's gonna we're gonna have a great time, and you're gonna be able to hear some fantastic soloists, a really powerful kick-ass big band doing its thing. It's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun, 
And I think we're working with Tim Garland as a guest soloist as well, aren't we? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, no, Tim, again, an, an, another local resident. Uh, there's a reason we're doing jazz in Watford, kids. Um, but yeah, uh, mm. Tim is uh, a long-time supporter of the National Youth Jazz Orchestra, as is uh, one of our advisory board members, uh, Orphie Robinson. Um, but for me, the, the real treat of it is they're just nothing better than a big band when it's in the zone. We cannot wait. So, Mark Armstrong, are you ready for Armstrong's Giant Leap six-way quiz? Oh, my God. As, I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Chris. <laughs> All right. So, I, th I, th I think we'll, we'll trot through it. There are six questions. Um, and okay. Basically, the first four questions relate to a fantasy big band. If you could choose for question one, anyone to be on either your lead alto or your lead tenor in your fantasy big band, who would you choose from jazz history on sax? Oh my God, that's so tricky. There are so many people to choose from. Come on now. Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to have to go with, it's really hard, but if I had to make a choice, Marshall Royal. Marshall Royal on lead alto. Nice. But that's tricky. First amongst some legends. Mark. I've said it before, no one comes on to the Watford Jazz Junction and takes part in the quiz for an easy ride. Question two. <laughs> who who shall you have on trombone as your specialist? Oh. Well, now that's interesting. I mm, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look I'm gonna look at the fantastic legacy of British trombone playing here. And again, there's a there's it's 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 an incredibly difficult choice to make, but Hmm. I'm gonna say that I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to have Mark Nightingale playing the trombone. Nice. I think Mark's incredible. Uh, question three: <laughs> Trumpet. You can see how this quiz is going, can't you? Uh huh. Come on then. Who's your fancy trumpeter? Uh. Well, if I um. Oh no, you know, God, you really got me because this is this is difficult. I could have. I, I could imagine a section. Uh. If you want someone on lead. I think I probably want Snooky Young. I want Snooky Young playing lead Ooh. for sure. Uh, but uh, if I wanted a, if we're talking a jazz trumpet player, I want to have Freddie Hubbard on jazz trumpet. Of course you would. And mm -hmm. that gets a bonus tick. Oh, that's very good. You picked up a bonus point when I didn't even know one was available on that question. Uh, and question four of my opening four. Uh, yep. You can have the entire rhythm section of your own choice, but I will need a drummer, a bass player, and a and and a pianist. Who will you have in your rhythm section? Ooh, in my rhythm section, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Sir Roland Hanna on piano uh, from the uh, Thad Jones Orchestra. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna have I think I've got to, I think I've got to have Mel Lewis on on drums. Mm, Ray Brown on bass. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine a, a big band with those guys all in it? Absolutely awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah. You've done very well on your opening four, but there are two questions left. When it, This is the risk you're oh, no. taking as we proceed. Question five. If you could play any other instrument to the standard you play trumpet, what would it be? Ooh. I'm tempted to say I'd like to play the piano better, but I already play the piano, so that's cheating. Do you know what? If I'm really honest, I'd like to play Hammond organ. We'll have that. Although, you know, already, you know, I'm not going to get anywhere near Joe DeFrancesco. It would have to be, you know, I have this kind of thing on my head, which is that does does the trumpet playing pass the Freddie Hubbard test? You know, is it anywhere even remotely in the ballpark? You know, and from a Hammond organ perspective, it would be, does it pass the Joe DeFrancesco test? Love it. Okay. And final question. 
this is when you can go from rags to riches or from riches to to disaster. Eight. Rank your favourite Armstrongs from your least favourite to your bestest. And your choice of three are a, a little-known jazz supremo called Louis Armstrong, a moonwalker, Neil Armstrong, and a cyclist, Lance Armstrong. Who tops your list and who's at the bottom? Oh, that's dead easy. It's got to be Louis... Neil Lance. In that order of top to bottom. That's, yes, Louis of first. Course. Yes, of course. Of course, right. So I'm tallying up. So that you were out of six, but you picked up a bonus point, which, of course, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, that exceeds the potential for 100%. Uh, <laughs> but the Armstrong triumvirate was gloriously done and very quickly. Uh, I'm going to give you seven out of six, which is not just not bad. It's jolly good. Oh, my goodness. I feel privileged. Yeah. Well, you should because you're also top of the Armstrong's Giant Leap six-way quiz leaderboard. Just for the one, the one, the one that's only got me on it. <laughs> hey, stop looking. Glasses half empty. Take the glory. <laughs> now, I will. My set question for you, Mark: Jazz yep. education. Uh-huh. Beyond those who will end up pursuing a professional career, what can everyone learn if they choose to play jazz? Oh wow, that's a great question. Um, well, you can learn to to know what it how to have how to interact with people in an, in a sort of empath, empathetic and, and and sharing way knowing when you can take the lead and knowing when you need to listen so it's about listening in community and it's about challenging yourself a little bit to have some fun maybe slightly outside your comfort zone and that and give and gives you more self confidence to express yourself um it opens you up to a much wider variety of cultural influences and ways of thinking, which are not necessarily common to Western society. Um, it makes you move away from, uh, if you like, uh, the, the, the written word towards using your ear and, and dare I say it, your heart to listen to what's going on around you. Um, and uh, it makes you feel, makes you feel groove. It makes you more comfortable with, you know, your physicality. And it's a kinesthetic experience. So all these things make you a better human being, no matter what your walk of life might be. Um, And also you get to have a great deal of fun playing some really incredible music. What's not to like? Absolutely. And you heard it here first, Wofford Jazz Junction fans. Jazz (laughs) makes you a better human, as we all know. So top three album time. What do you go back to again and again? What do I go back to again and again? Oh, my goodness. Well, um... It's got to be some Miles Davis in there. And um, there's so much that I could choose from, but the one that always springs to mind and always brings a smile to my face and makes me think this is just incredible playing is um, some of the uh, some of the prestige albums. And there's a double album of Cooking and Relaxing. And I don't, to be honest, know where, the, where, one, where Cooking Stops and Relaxing finishes on my CD. But um, that <laughs> is one of those albums that I use a lot in teaching. And every single time I, I play it, I just go, oh... It just makes me think this is in such incredible playing. It ticks so many, so many musical boxes. Um, incredible solos, a really amazing sense of interplay between the musicians, a, an, an effortless way of creating form and presenting improvisation in a for, in, in a format that, that that both has integrity but is extremely appealing to an audience. And it it's really such a well balanced and poised example of small group jazz that it, it always. You know, I've, it's evergreen for me, that, that album. And I could have chosen nice. kind of blue, I could have chosen so many others, but there's something about that one that appeals to me a lot. 
Well, and it's our first, it's not obviously our first Miles Davis album, but it is the first cooking and relaxing we've ever mm-hmm. had, which is great. Uh, and secondly, it reminds me of one of my favourite Nigel jazz albums from back in the day, from your British gas sponsorship days in the 90s. Oh, wow. The 80s, okay. Of Cooking With Gas. That was, mm-hmm. a, that was a great album. Right, album yeah. two. Album two. I'm going to choose a big band album. Um, again, this is extremely difficult, but um, I suppose the one that, one, again, first among equal, equals, but one that has spoken to me a lot um, and I come back to a lot is um, Maria Schneider's album, Coming About. Um, and mm. I love the combination of sort of the way she uses the big band and all the things that a big band can do, you know, the way it has the kind of the, the fire and the, and the visceral energy, but also has this extremely expressive and, and, and varied tonal palette, you know, and you can hear so many different influences that, you know, ranging from Gil Evans to Kenny Wheeler to all sorts of, all sorts of different, d- different things. And there's an incredibly, um, subtle but 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 um definitive feeling of 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 meter and and rhythm and groove all the way through there and some incredible solos um and lovely colours you know so it's really using the big band to create art um but also retaining this this really strong connection to the origins of the music and and the groove and and and, and where and where that all those things come from you can really hear how she's synthesized her own voice out of a really thorough understanding of the of the past so i love that and i i, I mean i was so wow. lucky a few years ago to, to we with the ronnie's band we did a, a residency at ronnie's with with maria and i mean to, we were all totally blown away working with her with her she's such an incredible person her her approach to the music and she's but but also she's so down to earth going out for chinese hanging out having good fun but then when we hit the stage she's so focused and so expressive and in the way that she encourages people to play so yeah there's well, my big band choice be one of the greatest sell-ins mark for for an album uh, recommendation <laughs> ever uh that's great uh so we've got miles we've got maria H- who is going to take the, the spot three i mean this is heady company i'm going to choose an album which isn't a jazz album this is an album this is an earthman fire album it's an album called uh, uh let me get this right uh plugged in and live um and it's a live album from oh i don't know early 90s and the thing that the, the it's it's extremely funky uh but also effortless in its mastery and the first thing on the album is a big long compilation of all their old hits which goes on for about 25 minutes um and um it if if it doesn't put a, a smile on your face you know there's something definitely wrong with you if you don't, if, when you listen to that and um, the, the thing that the thing about that that I remember was that I transcribed it for a, for a band I used to be in and I was listening to it and sort of well, obviously I wrote the horn parts down that was fine and then I thought right I better I better write the bass lines down and then oh my god I started to listen to Verdine White's bass playing, you know, in detail. And it's almost like there was a kind of physical aura kind of emanating from every note. It's got so much energy and it's it's extreme. It's incredible what he does on the bass. So I learned so much about how a rhythm section functions um, and, and the, the importance of the interplay, you know, when I transcribe that. And that's such a great, it's, you know, it's got all of the kind of raw energy of, of the tunes when they played them in the 70s, but it's got this sheen. It's a bit like, you know, suddenly it's, it's, it's still a high performance car, but it's a super luxury high performance car now. And so I love listening to that album. And, you know, it's great. You know, that, 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 that always brings a smile to my face and makes me want to move. So, 
It's good stuff. What beautiful triumvirate. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Okay. We're on we're on the final straight, but there is still time to sort out our house band. And some say, as I always do, <laughs> that it's the most eclectic and extraordinary fantasy band in podcast show business. Currently, we have got Bill Evans on the piano, Mark Juliana on the drum kit, Charles Mingus, a little known player on the bass, <laughs> Alex Garnett on tenor, Joe Tempoli on bass saxophone, John Hassel on trumpet, newbie Johnny Carisi on French horn, or backup trumpet, or whatever he wants, plus <laughs> Norma Winston, Carmen McRae, and Betty Carter on vocals, with a bonus Dorothy Ashby on harp. That's 11 players in total. So, Mark, your task is to remove one musician, if you fancy, because they're all dying for a pee, uh, but to bring in a new player if you do. And they can be from any point in jazz history. Who, how, and what should you like to do to the Fantasy House Band? Well, I'd like to add Ingrid Jensen on trumpet, Ooh. who who's, who um, used to play with, who played with Maria for quite a long time and is an incredible soloist and just the most lovely person um such a she such such a generous so generous with her time and her energy in the music and is an incredible trumpet player i had I, I did some education work with her and it was such a joy to hang out with her so i love to hear her play so i'd add her oh do i have to remove someone you don't have to remove someone all right well i'm gonna let i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let john go off and and, and buy around for the band and we'll have we'll have Ingrid on. Beautiful. Uh, and I think that's our first female trumpeter. Hurrah! Right. Good. Um. <laughs> so, more Mark. Thank you ever so much for being with us today. How can we keep up to date with your work? Is there a website? And likewise, if we're interested in Nigel and following you, wh- wh- where do we go? What do we do? Uh, go to uh, www.nigel.org.uk. Now, I should a little word of caution that the website is under reconstruction. So. Go and have a look at that. Um, but there will be a, a, a fabulous, shiny new website well in advance of the Watford Jazz Junction date. So hopefully, uh, that th- you can enjoy, everyone can enjoy that. For me, you'll probably, well, I do have a website, but as I've said before, I spend, I don't spend a lot of time promoting my own thing. So it's a little bit, it's, you can, it's a little bit dusty, but you can go to markarmstrongmusic.com and there's some updates from time to time with some of the things I'm doing, but I'm quite active on Facebook and Instagram and, and a little bit on Twitter. I spend quite a lot of time on, on, on Instagram doing food rather than music, but you might, but I, I sometimes remember to promote things when I, and, and I, I mean, I spend a lot of time reacting to things I've been to, but you know, yeah, Facebook, I, I do quite a lot of Facebook. I guess that's probably the best one. Nice. Well, we shall all be queuing up to follow you, uh, both for recipes and for musical treats. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have liked what you've listened to, subscribe in case you were to miss a valuable episode. And if you want to know more about the Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com or follow us on our various social media. Um, and you can always email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com, especially with amusing student band names. Next time, and as I said, that'll be in March, we're in conversation with vocalist, violinist and composer Alice Zawadzki. But until then, it is goodbye, lovely listener. It is goodbye, the lovely Mark. Goodbye. Thank you for having me. Lovely to chat. Really enjoyed it. Our absolute pleasure. Stay safe and always remember to connect with something new. Goodbye. Goodbye.